Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast, helping individuals and businesses unleash their potential. Join us every episode as host Adam Gregg discusses what is holding us back and how to find hope for moving forward. Along the way, we discuss developing healthy relationships and navigating life transitions while overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. Live the life you want, the legacy you decide. Okay, welcome back. This is a big day. This is episode number 25 of the Decide Your Legacy podcast. Today we're talking about facing your biggest fears. We have things that hold us back and often we know what they are. Why are we avoiding them? Why are we hiding from them? Why are we not facing them? There's reasons for that. There are things we can do. We're gonna jump in and I'm gonna discuss today three things you can do to face your biggest fears. I am Adam Gragg. I'm a life coach, mental health professional for over 20 years. Actually started doing counseling in 1999, believe it or not. Wow. So I like to help. My passion is to help people find transformational clarity in their life, the kind of clarity that propels them forward to face those things that are holding them back, to face their biggest fears. And I like to talk about stuff that not only do I personally struggle with, which I do struggle with fear, and you're going to learn that as we go in this podcast today. I like to talk about stuff in in such a way that you could explain it to a six-year-old child and they can understand what you're talking about. They can understand basic and simple. I learned that from Albert Einstein, who said at some point I read a quote, like, if you can't explain it to a young kid, you don't really understand it at all. (laughs) So, or you don't understand it well enough, that kind of thing. I don't understand fear that well, probably. I'm still struggling myself. I'm a fellow traveler, but my hope is today you will be inspired to go out and do something risky that will help you get to that next level in your life. This is a very important subject. One reason I'm so passionate about it is because fear is connected for many people to trauma that's holding them back. And it's also often exhibited in someone's life through addiction. You know, an addiction can destroy lives. Addiction comes in all kinds of different forms workaholism, pornography, substances, sex, all kinds of things. Alcohol, of course, we think about a lot, but people can be addicted to even video games. Addiction simply means to me an escape from reality, a way to cope with life, and it's doing something that isn't helpful in order to avoid doing something that is really important in their lives, to face something, and usually that is a fear that they are not facing and not leaning into when they can. So two, we're gonna talk about three things today. And so this is one of the questions that I usually ask every coaching client in their very first session. In fact, in the inquiry session where they're deciding if they wanna hire me as a coach in the first place, what are your biggest fears? I want you to think about that now, right now in this audience, as you listen, what are your biggest fears? And usually people have things that they know of already. They may say something like a phobia, which could be, you know, fear of heights or fear of flying, you know, or fear of meat, (laughs) raw meat. I don't know, fear of clowns, that's a phobia. Those are phobias that people actually have. But if they dig a little deeper, what are they really afraid of with a phobia? Well, it's probably dying or it's probably embarrassment. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of being alone? Are you afraid of rejection? Are you afraid of being embarrassed, being laughed at? Being embarrassed is one of my biggest fears in life. I was embarrassed in my younger years um, significantly. And, you know, I've mentioned one before in a previous podcast about a nun in eighth grade that just railed into me and actually in fifth grade, sorry, Sister Catherine 
Um, very embarrassed. I feel like that scarred me in some ways. I remember being embarrassed uh, when I was a kid as well for getting in a fight and calling a timeout and the kids made fun. That was in sixth grade as well. But we have things that we're afraid of. Are you afraid of standing up to somebody saying no? Telling the truth. What are you afraid of? Think of that right now. And then if that fear came true, what are you afraid would happen? Think about that as well. What are you really afraid of? We got these things in our lives that we're afraid of. So if this topic interests you, go to my website, decideyourlegacy.com. You will get a free five-day guide to overpowering anxiety and fear in your life. It's gonna highlight much of what we discussed today, but we're gonna go deeper a little bit in some ways today. Get that guide, sign up, and you're gonna get some bonus content there that you will not wanna miss, I promise. I only put out stuff that I think is highly valuable to those who get it. So first thing to be keep in mind when facing your fears is awareness. We have to become aware of that thing that we are really afraid of. And that awareness, we it's like we're, we're aware that this thing is actually happening. So when I was 16 years old, I was with my buddy, Josh Hunt, who actually is still a good friend. He lives in Sacramento where I grew up and we were both new to this whole driving thing. I was in a bad neighborhood. I shouldn't have been there. I'm sure my parents didn't know. And a guy who was probably intoxicated on drugs, he started to wave some kind of thing at us and yell at us. And then we, I think we're already in the car. I rolled down the window, took off, and the guy blasted it with a shotgun, a hole in the back of my car, my 1989 black two-door Honda Accord. That was it. It was a brand new car as well. Don't ever buy your kids a brand new car at 16. I wouldn't recommend it, but I did have a brand new car at 16. That was scary. And it was so quick that I don't even know if I was aware of what actually happened. Some things in our lives, we don't actually acknowledge that this is happening. I'm doing this. You know, I have a drinking problem or I have problems with coworkers, or, you know, I'm afraid of this. The first step is to go ahead and say, okay, this thing is actually happening. We can go through life without being aware of what really is actually happening. I remember after that incident that I couldn't identify the guy that blew the hole in the back of my car. I mean, it was a pretty dangerous, stinking situation. I just reacted, and that was a good thing to get out of there. Didn't have a whole lot of situational awareness, but in some ways I actually did. How do we grow in our awareness? We have to find ways to figure out how to grow. So the first thing, when somebody is anxious that happens, they do things that feed their anxiety. We feed our anxiety by one ambiguity. Ambiguity is that fuzziness. We don't define the problem. That's what I'm talking about here. We feed our anxiety by focusing on the worst possible outcome. So we have this thing that we wanna do and then we start to become aware that all I'm thinking about now is the negative all I'm seeing is what could go wrong. All I'm seeing is how it could go bad. And that's awareness as well. And the last part is avoidance. We feed it through avoidance. We can become aware of the fact that we are avoiding something. We're avoiding it. We're just not doing it. We're not facing it. We're not doing anything. You know, I know, and I've shared this before, that during COVID, I started to see pretty much all of my clients, except a select few, I go on site in my home office, and I was seeing them over Zoom. And I got really comfortable with that at first. I was like, this is so cool. I make a good living. I don't have to leave my house. I have lunch right here. I got my daughter who is in school at home. And this is just great. You know, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to put money on gas. And then I started to become really discouraged over time because I was alone so much. And I'm a people person. I'm a social dude. 
And I started to kind of make plans of how I'm going to kind of go the rest of my career working from home, go the rest of my career, you know, isolating if I want to not face things in life relationally, because I could get hurt that way. Eventually, I had the opportunity to go ahead and work with other people, which I'm actually doing now. And I'm back to growing a team and I'm back to making some things, doing some things that are not isolating. But it was something that I absolutely avoided. And even that that awareness, like I'm avoiding this because I had a decision to make. And one time I decided I had to make this decision. And so this kind of shows you how addiction works. I needed to make a decision on where I was going to actually move my office and my business and the, and the team I was going to surround myself with and the administrative support. I had a great option, actually had a number of great options. I needed to make the decision. And so what I decided to do, I actually didn't decide this, is I decided that I was going to go to the Verizon store and look at Apple Watches, just kind of look and glance. And I ended up going into that store and spending about $2,300 on a new iPhone Pro Max. And it was really cool phone and a new Apple Watch and a new plan and all this stuff that I normally wouldn't do to avoid actually having to face making that one decision. Because I wasn't really aware. I wasn't aware that I was avoiding it at the time. I just went out and did it. And ended up over the next week probably taking, oh, I would suggest maybe 20 hours unraveling that thing because I realized I don't need this. I don't want this. It's a distraction. I'm going to go wait. I got a few months. I can get a new phone then. It was an avoidance strategy. And then I thought, you know what? I like that phone. I want to go back and get that phone. It was crazy. I mean, I spent all this time just avoiding these things that I knew I needed to actually face that were scary to me because I had to make a decision and live with the consequences. So I decided to go ahead and do something else that was a distraction. We do things out of this reactionary avoidance tendency, and that's really addiction. That's really a good definition of addiction. So what do you do to get this level of awareness in your life of these fears that you have? Well, one I would suggest is that you start to do things to be honest with yourself. And honesty is going to come out of relationship. So everything comes out of relationship. So you interact with good people and you find good friends and you know who they are. They're people that are willing to be honest with you and tell you the truth. And you're willing to be honest with them, not placate, not just people please, but you're willing to say, hey, look, have you considered? Or this is something that worked for me. Or if you're concerned about a behavior, you're able to say that able to say, hey, that honesty with other people, I mean, don't cross a boundary or a line if you don't know the person, but that banter leads to you getting some clarity about your own life and what you're avoiding and what you actually need to face and what you need to actually engage. I would suggest you do other types of mindful activities, which I would suggest that's a mindful activity, good people, good conversation, engaging people in life exposing people to your life, sharing these things that are bothering you, sharing these concerns that you have, like with parenting or your job or a relationship or some kind of a problem with a family member, but you're being honest and open about it. What you can do too is journal. And journal is an awareness activity because you don't know what's actually going to come out. Sometimes I go back and I read journals from years ago because I have piles and stacks. And I think I shared before that I burnt a whole bunch of my journals that I had from my late teens, early 20s. I regret it. I actually do because I, I would look back and I would look and see, oh my, what, what was Adam thinking at age 21? Adam was thinking about some crazy stuff at age 21. You know, he was, he was like, uh, you know, I'll read back there and think like, you know, I'm going to marry this gal. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, thank goodness I didn't marry that gal. <laughs> You're like, and I get embarrassed when I look, when I looked at that stuff. And so I decided to, 
use it as fire kindling, but I, I regret it because I was 21, you know? I mean, who cares what I thought back then? But you get insight into how you were thinking back then and then to how you're thinking right now. A simple activity you can do at the end of the day is you can just journal about some of the positive and negative feelings you felt during the day. And so you look back during the day and think, I was really excited there, or I was really you know, anxious there, and why? And then what I learned from that experience you can journal about the things you learn just in general in your job or with people, the lessons you learn for the day. You can journal about your successes and failures during the day, but you let it free flow. You don't need good grammar. You don't write it as if someone else is gonna read it. You write it as if you might read it and you will understand what it says 10 years from now. But that gives you some awareness in your life, awareness and things you need to face. And then, you know, the stepping back activities. Keep talking about this. We gotta find ways to actually step back. You know, recently I've been meeting with my counselor and a lot of the stuff, some of the stuff we talk about related to fear and mindfulness and things is to get connected with my heart. And I can do that on my own. I can get stuck in my head, but it's going back to what's my intuition? You know, how am I reacting from my gut? You know, what's a way to communicate from my heart, to open up my heart to people, to step out and open up my heart to people. And so, you know, it's a way to get honest with yourself and to connect with this different spot, not the fear in your head, but this reality of something that emotionally and intuitively I want to engage or I want to face or I want to deal with. And so you do, you know, the calm app, a 10 minute a day meditation or in the evening for 10 minutes a day, headspace is good. You can Google on YouTube, some different meditations. You know, I like to do five, uh, like a 10 minute, I'm sorry, like a 10 big deep breath exercise. You take 10 deep breaths. And my buddy Todd is another counselor kind of taught me this over the last couple months. And I've been using it. You take 10 deep breaths and then you count down you count out to like eight on the way down, um, you take like an eight second breath, a six to eight second breath, and you count 10, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. So you get 10 really deep breaths. And then you, at that point, do something active, like, you know, go on a walk, wash a dish, you know, call a friend, do something to get out of your head, get you out of that fear and understanding things. So the, yeah, that be honest, do something to step back, talk about it. Those are really important things. Now, a big fear that people actually do have is relational as well, engaging people you know, not getting rejected. And there's a link in this podcast as well to two really popular articles. One is 22 ways to build and strengthen relationships. And another is 12 marriage and dating built, date built, dating activities, 12 dating and marriage building activities. So check those out and go to those links. So last week I had a chance to pretty much be honest with myself. And this was an awareness experience. I've gotten really excited about it, honestly. Well, you know, since then, because um, I was pretty terrified about doing some more speaking in my life. I've had parts of my career where I've done a lot of speaking, spoken, you know, just in this area alone, probably 75 companies at different occasions, different situations. But over the last 12 years, done a lot of speaking. Over the last four years, you know, since I went through a traumatic incident in my life personally, you know, with uh, divorce, um, I've had a lot of lack of confidence in my speaking area because, you know, you don't want to experience rejection. And so putting myself out there to speak has been like an avoidance thing. Like I don't go and pursue, uh, you know, companies reach out to me and I've kind of like talked them out of hiring me. How does that sound? Um, you know, I've kind of had opportunities just presented to me, like whenever, whatever you want to talk about, we'll have you. And I haven't pursued it. And I would justify it saying, oh, my clients need me. There's so much crisis. I need to do the one-on-one -on -one and this, but I love speaking. I mean, I absolutely would energize me and especially when I'm prepared and, and comfortable. And so I got out and I did this deal for a, a credit union in town in Wichita. 
And um, I'm sure it wasn't perfect. There were times that were good, times that were bad. I struggled some. It was a lot of fun at different times. I did some things that were new and different. I had a lot of audience participation in different ways. There was a lot of vulnerability. But the main thing I took away from that was I love this. And being in front of people and vulnerable and in an honest situation is an exciting thing for me. And it's a way to help people. It's a way to get the message out there and to really connect with more people. And so it left me kind of on a high thinking, I got to keep going and go out and get these things. They're right there. It's something that I'm good at. At least people tell me. And I have confidence in myself at when I get to do it. I really do believe I'm good at it. And that's an honesty awareness activity. So that's an I'm aware that I got to face this fear. When I do, I'm invigorated, excited. This is part of me, why God made me to get out there and speak and get a message out there. So that's number one. We got to find some level of awareness in our fears. And the next level, and this is how we actually change how people grow, is they have to accept that it's a fear in their life. Like acceptance is different than awareness. Acceptance is a different layer. It's the next part of commitment. It's like, we're accepting it's a problem. I'm counting the cost. You know, I'm seeing that I'm doing this for a reason and it's not benefiting me. In fact, if I play it forward five years, it's potentially gonna maybe in some cases, you know, derail my entire life. You know, I could lose my, all these things that I've worked hard for lose dignity, self-respect, you know, even lose my health, lose my family. I mean, it's, we, we go to this level where we're accepting that this is intolerable behavior. I cannot live here any longer, you know? And if you listen to my podcast, you know, I'm a fan of the 12 step process. And part of the 12 step process is you have to realize you are asking God to help you with your character defects. Character defects are things we have to accept. You know, we if we accept the fact that this is a blind spot or this is something I do, you know, I've had to accept the fact that I have fear at times in my life. I have to accept the fact that I can be, you know, hide out from problems, accept the fact that I have a number of character defects that I don't want to admit to, especially, you know, when I'm helping other people deal with the same kind of stuff. Acceptance is crucial. One funny experience when I was in college, and we talk about these kinds of things, is I was a pledge in my fraternity, the University of Oregon, and for the entire day, all the members made the pledges wear their clothes backwards. And so we had to go to class with like backward pants, and obviously backward shoes doesn't work too well, but you can wear backward pants and backward tops. And, you know, I was pretty embarrassed about it, but eventually you start going to class and you're like, hey, you know, big deal. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. You know, this is funny. And you accept it. You just like, okay, it is what it is. I'm not gonna be embarrassed about this. I'm gonna try to stay as close to my pledge brothers as I can. It's not really fun going to class without them there uh, because I look really silly. <laughs> but we did this kind of stuff. And, you know, um, yeah, it's probably hazing. I'm not gonna share a whole lot about um, the name of the fraternity I was in. But anyway, we'll just say that there are situations in life we just have to accept it is what it is. And our past is one of those things. We can run and hide from our past like it didn't actually exist. And that's a fear that we have because we don't want to talk about it, address it, deal with it, face it. It could lead to facing people in our lives that have hurt us in the past. Not to dig up trash, but to get freedom. It may not actually be verbally facing them, but maybe it's journaling about it. Maybe it's actually writing a letter you don't send. It's something, but acknowledging is the first step. Awareness, acceptance is the second step. This is causing me trouble. This is damaging my life. This is an issue. For me, I've had to do that. And even just recently, in some ways, I've been, you know, had situations in my life as a kid that I didn't want to acknowledge or admit to. 
and this level of, okay, this happened to me. You know, it wasn't good. It wasn't ideal. I, ha- I have some anger at why I was exposed at a young age or why I put myself in this situation as a young, you know, teenager or a young man, but I have to accept it. I did it. And I was probably at the time doing the best that I could, got out of it as quickly as I could, wanted to trust untrustworthy people just because I wanted to believe the best about people. It is what it is. Had have to accept it. And that acceptance is the next step to saying, I'm going to do something about it. I've had to do that with my divorce. I've had to do that with even the fact that I wanted more kids. I always felt like I have one daughter right now and me and uh, my former wife, we really wanted to have more kids. And um, that's a tough thing to swallow. And, but those things you can say, well, you know, there's something good out of it. There's something good that can come out of it. And you don't know what it is, but eventually, and I'm a person of faith. And I will say, well, God's going to explain it to me. I'm going to get to the next side and see clearly as life goes on. And as I continue to engage, so we accept, and then we, um, we face. And then the third part about that right there and I, I will I will say this too is there's a there's a link in the show notes to a, an article called called 18 confidence building activities and this is a, a I like this article quite a bit it's going to be specific things that you know if you accept them then you can do something about it things you can do actually to work on your self confidence and it really applies to this third point a little bit more that I'm going to make in a second here but what do you do with this how do you what do you do when you accept it and how do you find acceptance. Well, first of all, you got to be honest, go back and be honest with yourself again, that it's not only something I'm aware of, but it's something that's damaging my life. You count the cost, even playing it forward, saying, well, if I continue to do this, what will my life be like in a year? What will my life be like in two years? You know, professionally, personally, spiritually, physically, mentally, how will that impact me down the road? Counting the cost can be very helpful. Expose yourself to other good people and listen, and then see if you can even start to look and create a vision for how life could be if you changed it. I mean, that can be extremely helpful with accepting the situation we're in because we're starting to get its twist on it. Like if I deal with this stuff, if I face this fear relationally, this fear of rejection or this fear professionally of going out and actually being successful, if I face it and do something about it, it can be great. How good could life actually be? You know, one of the biggest fears I'm convinced too with people is the fear of success. You know, they're used to this stuff that they've had and they're they're comfortable in this stuff that they've always had, whether it's, you know, drama or whether it's, you know, people mistreating them or whether it's, you know, always being in asked to do things in situations where they're called upon to solve the problems and they're never actually getting to do self-care or you know, spending money on themselves or actually living and enjoying life and traveling. And people get used to this certain level of, of lifestyle that can be fear-based. And that next step, that bigger, better thing, it could be financial security, is terrifying. Because they, and they don't admit it. And they don't admit it. I heard that once, like the biggest fear people have is actually fear of their potential, their power, fear of like what they could be. And I do believe that is true. It's hard for me to grasp that, but I have these glimmers And it's like, holy cow, man, I want to cuss right now. I don't know if I can do that on an Apple podcast, but I think, you know, this is what my life could be like. Wow, it's so much better. And we get a glimpse of that and that's just transformative because we're we're starting to see, I got to deal with stuff. I got to face this stuff. I got to do this so I can get to the next level. And and that's, that's crucial. So the third thing, and like I said before, and I've said this many times and I will say it again, 
that change happens in people's lives, and you're going to see a theme here because I'm really addressing this the same way, is first of all, acceptance. I'm sorry, first of all, awareness. Second, acceptance. And the last part is action. We have to take some kind of action. You know, I had a, I had somebody, and I've heard this many times in my life, you know, like that, pe- that talk is cheap, you know, or I'm going to believe what somebody says much, much, much less than what they actually do. I'm going to see what they do and what they do is going to reveal to me who they, you know, what they really mean by that. So like, you know, I could talk, talk, talk. Hey, I'm going to get out, be around people. I'm not going to isolate. I'm an extrovert, but then I'm staying in my office. I'm scheduling clients in my office. And, you know, I'm at home, you know, and people are thinking, Adam, dude, what are you doing? You're talking, but you're not taking any kind of action. And I've had a number of really good friends, especially over the last year, really tell me, Adam, you're not doing stuff, you know, including my mom and my dad, you know, you're talking, but you're not doing, you know, what are you going to do? You're just kind of sitting there, not doing anything. So that's the third thing. We got to face our fears, do something, take some kind of an action. And this is crucial because when you take the action in face of your fears, that's when you start getting evidence that that worst case scenario outcome that that, oh my gosh, this is bad kind of thing is going to happen. We get evidence that that's not actually true with good people. It's kind of like with boundaries. People are a lot of times afraid to say, this is what I feel. This is what I think, a controversial opinion about something. I mean, politics is one of those. And that is a boundary saying, yeah, here's my opinion on this controversial topic. Here's what I think about this. And maybe you don't have a strong opinion or you're formulating your opinion, but even saying that can be controversial for people who are really extreme and think you should already have a formulated opinion, but you share that and have a boundary and good people respect that. Like, I'm not saying that good people don't always have an issue with it. They will, and they may push back, but ultimately they come around, I believe over time to saying, gosh, I can I can live with that, you know? And I still love you and I still care about you, even though we differ on this issue, I could still be married to you or I could still be a best friend with you. You know, one of my best friends in life, I do differ on a lot of things politically. Um, and and I mean, and I don't bring up those things a lot unless the kind of topic comes up and I'll say, well, you know, I don't really totally agree with that or I don't necessarily think that's necessary or have you thought about this? And that's me having a boundary, but it's scary because When you love somebody and you put a boundary, they could reject you. They could say, well, I want this. You know, I'm not going to be in a relationship with someone who does that. So that's the thing is we face our fears and we do those things that we're afraid of. I also learned going to open AA meetings, a lot of things, well, very great things that helped me. One is, you know, do the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. That's a one day at a time principle. You don't got to solve all these problems right now. You don't got to plan your funeral today. You know, I mean, maybe if you're 98 or something, but you don't have to figure out that next thing in your career right now, you can do the next right thing. And the next right thing might be being honest with your boss or telling that person how much you appreciate them or taking your daughter on a daddy-daughter date, even though she's 14. You know, whatever it is that you know is the next right thing. And then you do it, you schedule it, hopefully. So if you don't schedule it, I mean, spontaneity is great. And I would encourage you to do that. And a lot of times we do want to do things spontaneously. And hey, I'll link to a great video that I've discovered. It's it's Mel Robbins, five second rule. It's like a six minute video. And maybe I'll link to that one and, and her 10, this is a 10 minute one. I love this because it talks a lot about that hesitation we have and then counting five, four, three, two, one, and then doing that thing that we know in our gut we need to do, you know, whatever it might be, you know, ask that girl on a date or, you know, <laughs> give somebody a 
big tip or, you know, call up that friend from the past just to say hi and shock the heck out of them because you're calling them up, doing something different. So those are good things. Those are ways we can spontaneously face our fears. But I'm thinking about these things where we're doing something in our schedule that we're going to do to engage this scary thing in our lives. So sometimes with my with my clients, I'll have them actually meet me if they're local and doing something that I think would be really helpful to them that is facing an actual fear in their life. So they may meet me at a uh, 12-step meeting or they may meet me, you know, I haven't actually done this in reality, but eventually I'd like to meet people to go skydiving with them. Eventually I'd like to meet people to do some real scary stuff, uh, physically scary, although that's not as scary as the emotional vulnerable stuff, like meeting strangers, but I've challenged them to do things in between sessions and in the actual session to call up somebody and to, well, in some cases, it could be even ending a relationship or calling up somebody, following up on a job interview, calling up somebody randomly and asking them for feedback on an issue when they've delayed in my office to face that actual fear. I've done that many, many times, probably hundreds of times in my actual office, and I love it. And nine times out of 10, it goes really well. Every once in a while, it goes south. And they even are glad they did it then because they faced something in their life. I had a uh, experience with actual skydiving and it was really spontaneous. It was like a, that morning, we're gonna go. It was either in the evening, the night before or that morning and my buddy and his girlfriend were going, um, Alan and Amanda, who are good friends of mine and they said, we're going and I'm like, all right, I'm in and we went and I didn't have a chance to be afraid. I mean, it was scary getting on the plane and going up was scary, especially when the the pilot has a parachute on because you think, well, everyone's got a parachute on here. So if this plane crashes and it didn't, of course, but it was a blast. I loved it. Um, getting out of the plane was in the fall was the best part. It was probably, a, I think it was like a 70 second free fall, but that's one little minor thing. That's not really the biggest fear that most people have though, based on my experience. It's usually rejection, embarrassment, being alone, isolated, judged, all that is a major fear that people have right there. So you you find a way to schedule these things into your life. And here's what you can do. Here's some application with this. So you got application of actually facing these things in your life. So think about something you're afraid of, you know, like having that conversation with your dad, like having that conversation with your brother, you know, dealing with that will or that estate planning issue, doing something that you're facing this thing. One thing you can do is you can visualize yourself succeeding in this issue. So if you can even right now, let's just say, I'll take one minute, you close your eyes while you're listening to this, especially, don't do this if you're driving or running, but if you if you are sitting somewhere and you can do this, just close your eyes and then visualize what success would be like in a year in that area if you face that fear. So I'll just take, for example, I, I used to have a fear of flying. I don't have it anymore. I did because I was on a really bad flight and it was just traumatic and this and that, but I used to have a fear of flying. So me, I would say, I'd visualize what would a great flight be like? You know, what would people do on the flight? What would the steward, what would the attendance be like? How would interactions go? Would I enjoy the coffee? Would I, you know, watch a movie? Would I look at my iPad? Would I talk to people and socialize? And you start to soak that in. Like, what would success be like in this relationship? And then you're gonna approach that thing you're afraid of as if almost that it could go well, not bad. Great activity. If I engage it and visualize it in advance, it can. what would it be like if it goes well? Let that sink in. And then you take that with you. You can journal about it, but you approach that next thing with that different, at least slightly shifted mindset. 
just to take a minute. You know, you breathe as you do it, but you visualize what it would be like if you can go, if it does go well. And so you can check out a link to as well, the hope versus fear cycle. It's a video I put together a couple years ago. Check that out. It kind of explains a little bit of that as well. I need to redo that video, honestly, but there will be a link in the show notes as well. What you can do too, is if you're afraid and you want to schedule and take some kind of action, you can, you can do the, the, you can, you can say, well, what would it be like if I did this? So how would I feel? How would it impact me? Let's say you have this fear of calling somebody up that you like, you want to ask her out on a date and you really like her and think she's great, but you keep talking yourself out of it. And so you start to say, what would it be like? How would I feel five minutes after actually doing that? So I call her up and say, you know, Michelle, this is Adam and we're going out to eat tonight. Pick you up in 10 minutes. I'm, I'm just kidding, but like what you do it with confidence, you is how would I feel? And that's a total made up scenario, but how would I feel if I went ahead and actually did this thing? And then how would I feel five minutes later? How would I feel five days later? How would it impact me five days later? And you answered that really honestly. Well, I'd probably be excited even if you said no, I did it because, oh well. And how would you, how would it impact you five months from now? And there's another version of 10, 10, and 10. I've kind of been doing the five, five, and five recently. For some reason, it resonates with me. You could do it 10 minutes, 10 months, or 10 days, 10 months. That's fine. Good decision-making activity. You know, it kind of is a visualization activity as well. But I like kind of like the five, five, and five right now, like five months, five, five days. You can go out to five years if you want. So another thing you can do is you can tell a friend that you're going to do something. So there's some accountability. So like you tell a friend, hey, I'm going to ask that girl out on a date, you know, or I'm going to... Tell my parents I love them once every week, you know, not in an awkward way, but I'm going to call them. And at some point, even though I never do this, I'm going to tell them I really appreciate you guys. And I really love you guys because I don't want them to die without them hearing that consistently from me. I mean, you tell a friend that there's some accountability. You can join a group of people. And I hear this a lot, but we do things that are scary when we get around other brave people and they do things that are scary. And we see that they can handle it and they walk through it and they get that business deal or they do that thing professionally. They take that risk to get out there. They meet those new people, they network, they speak, they do something. And we're drawn to that and it trickles in and we start doing these courageous things ourselves because we're around these people that are doing these amazing things. And it's amazing because it is absolutely positively one of those things that we can't get away from when we're around it. We will become like the people we spend the most time with. We will become like the people we spend the most time with. If we're around fearful, scared people that run and hide and don't do anything that's gonna challenge them and don't want truth, then we're gonna become people like that. We'll become people that don't wanna share truth or don't wanna actually challenge or do things that are scary. If we're around people that are courageous, it's gonna rub off on us. You wanna be around those kinds of people. And it's, you know, I mean, I grew up in situations where I was around, you know, successful people and, financially well-off people. And, um, you know, these kinds of things, it's not about money. It's not about, you know, status. It's all about being honest with yourself, honest with other people, doing the next right thing. It's not about that, you know, I got to be a certain person. It's just be yourself and face those things and be around good people. My point in saying that is there's all kinds of good people out there. There's all kinds of good people out there. You don't have to find somebody who has a successful business you don't have to find somebody, you just find somebody, you know, who has it all together in their marriage. You find broken people who are honest and doing the next right thing. And you get around them and you stay the course and, you know, it's going to work out for you. And you're going to face things naturally as you do that. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. We've got those three things. First of all, awareness. Then we accept 
Acceptance leads to this commitment and then this action where the rubber meets the road. What are you gonna do to go out there and actually get this thing done? Face that fear in your career, face that fear relationally. Those are gonna change your life if you engage them. Keep that in mind. And if you are, and if you thought as we went through this, there was one thing, one nugget that was a takeaway, I would encourage you to write that down or jot that down. What is something from this podcast on facing your biggest fears that that you need to learn and listen to and let sink? Take what you like and leave the rest. I know that is something I've learned over time. Like I can go and listen to a sermon and there's something I disagree with about that church or that denomination or whatever. There's something good that I can get out of it. Even if I don't agree with a lot of the stuff, there's something good we can get out of people we disagree with politically, people we disagree with religiously. There's good people in all walks of life. What are you gonna take away from this today? What are you gonna take away and let it sink in? Are you gonna face something? Are you gonna become more aware? Are you gonna journal? Are you gonna go ahead and schedule that thing that you've been putting off because you know it's the right thing to do? Don't do it because I said so. You know, it's not a checklist kind of thing. Oh, I gotta do this, this, and this. It's an intuitive process. This resonates. Remember, information is different than inspiration. Inspiration comes from inside. We know it's true. We gotta do that next right thing. We want to do that next right thing. We don't have to, we want to. We're compelled. We feel it's gonna bless us, other people. It's gonna make a difference in our lives. If you found this helpful today, well, absolutely go ahead and tell your friends about my podcast, the Decide Your Legacy podcast. I got a great team. We're building every day. Got some huge things in plan, in store, in place. And I want to leave you with, if you need help facing a big fear in your life, coaching could be for you. I would love to visit with you. Hunter would love to visit with you about this. Hunter Lemunian, who's on my team. And we'll get you, help you. We'll, we'll figure out, we'll do a free inquiry call and, and you'll get a strategy. We'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to help you engage in a process that'll help you go to that next level about with action. You get the clarity through the process. You get to take the action. You decide your legacy, no one else. Don't let other people tell you what you should do, what you should be doing, what you, what decisions you should make. You have it within you and God will give you the direction you need. You got to figure out a way to step back. You get the clarity you need. Other good people will help you along the way. They'll ask you the questions, including me, but only you get to take those actions and make those decisions to get to the next level. You decide your legacy, no one else. I will see you next time, episode number 26, and that will be on finding direction in your career, finding clarity in your career, getting to the next level in your career. I've been wanting to do a career podcast for quite a while, and this one's gonna be big. So tune in, tell your friends, subscribe, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.